guys do after the whole, you know, your tongue speaks what's in your heart and we need to get it under control? How was last week? You guys did good? Man, I got brutalized. I think it started Monday at Coffee with the Pastor and I already somebody had to nudge me and say, you remember what you taught Sunday? Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to continue just in case. Now here, I don't want you guys to lose sight. Sometimes when we... When we chop up um, the scripture and slow down, we lose sight of the overall context. So as we've come to James, you remember what James has been telling us? He's been discussing since chapter 2 this idea that faith should have works attached to it, or fruit is what we've been calling it, right? So if the root of the tree is alive, the tree bears fruit, okay? So if you have faith, right, which is believing in your heart, if you have faith, then... You will have fruit. Fruit comes. Fruit happens. If the root's alive, fruit will be a part of our lives. So we'll see that fruitfulness. Now, as soon as he started that, you remember last week, he breaks right into this concept. Now, let not many of you become teachers. Why? Because he knows that most people that hear the idea of fruit are going to say, well, if I'm going to be fruitful in my life, then I've got to teach. And so what he says right out the gate Look, I'm not talking about teaching. Let not many of you become teachers for there's stricter condemnation. There's this idea that there's a, a movement of maturity that should happen in the life of a believer who's called or is being drawn to teach. And that, that may be something we desire. That may be a good thing. But that's not the fruit that James is looking for. He's like, look, I don't, I don't want to get off on, I don't want to get off on a tangent. So, so let not many of you become teachers. Then what's he move right to? The tongue. Why? Because he says this is the sign of fruit in your life. Now most of us, if we talked about fruitfulness in a life filled with faith, would not have said we bridle our tongue. We would have come up with something else. Because we don't like to bridle our tongue. I don't like to bridle my tongue. And just in case you thought I was the only one, I happen to know all you guys. And I know better. We all struggle with the idea, right? So what did he tell? He told us the definition of maturity. A mature believer bridles his tongue, controls his tongue. Now, here's a key that we're going to see this week, and that is this. He's also going to say that you can't do it. He's going to tell you if you're mature, you'll bridle your tongue, and then he's going to tell you you can't do it. What do you think he's leading toward? Where do we find the ability to be, to change any of the things we have in our life? Where does that come from? It doesn't come from us, or it doesn't come from me working up willpower. Where does it come from? Surrendering to Christ, submitting to Him, submitting to His Word. Look, all of that actually takes work. Because for the most part, folks, you and I and everybody else, we we want to rely on our own reasoning. We want to lean into our own understanding. You know what I mean? But let me tell you this, guys. I'm not saying that our own reasoning is... Well, I am saying our own reasoning is bad. Um, I'm not saying that we shouldn't use reasoning. I'm just saying that we have to acknowledge and recognize that we are a fallen human being. And therefore, thereby, my reasoning is fallen. And my tendency is to reason towards self. For example, you ever have a conversation in your mind, maybe somebody offended you. In that conversation in your mind, how many times were you wrong? Yeah, probably not very often, right? What a dirtbag, I can't believe they said, did, thought. 
Why, why is that naturally what occurs most often? That naturally occurs because my reasoning has fallen. And it, with fallen reasoning, right, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a broken individual, I'm a sinner. And so as a result, my reasoning has fallen and my reasoning tends toward selfishness. So I need to realize that in order to bring my reasoning into subjection to Christ, you know that the Word of God calls us to make every thought or bring every thought captive in Christ? It doesn't say bring some of your thoughts and make them captive to Christ. It doesn't say every once in a while when you're not too busy, bring your thoughts captive to Christ. It says to make every thought captive. What does that mean? That means that, look, Jesus Christ, my life in Jesus Christ is not just something I I sprinkle on my food like salt or pepper. It is my food. In John chapter 6, Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now it's an illustration, not about eating him or drinking his blood. It's an illustration that says, I need to be all. I need to be the whole meal. Not just sprinkled in on a Sunday. Or sprinkled in on a Wednesday. And... This is a shocker, and I probably shouldn't say it because I'm a preacher, but that has nothing to do with church. That has to do with you personally and your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That, that, that He's Lord and Savior Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. doesn't matter where your feet carry you. We all got stuff we got to do. Can Jesus still be Lord at work? Can Jesus still be Lord at school? What if I'm on vacation? Can Jesus still be Lord? So He can be Lord all the time? We just sang a song saying He's the Lord of how much? Okay. So the idea, that He needs to perpetuate every part, everything that we see, everything that we look at. So the sign that that is real, that Jesus Christ is perpetuating, that my thoughts are being brought captive in Christ, that my heart is centered on Christ, is my tongue How I talk about people, when I say what I say, when I do what I do. All of those things are a sign or symbol of maturity in the life of a believer that my heart is surrendered to God. Now I can say my heart is surrendered to God and I can turn around and back talk about somebody I know. Gossip, spread fires, I can do all this stuff, and I can tell you, I'm good, i got a great relationship with God, but what God is saying is, your tongue's not bridled, if your tongue's not bridled, I'm not Lord of all, I might be Lord of some, but I'm not Lord of all, and I want to encourage you that we don't want a Lord of some, we want a Lord of all. So James is saying, hey, your, your faith will have fruit. And one of the first places you can see fruit is how you talk, what you say, how you, what, how you, what you use your words for. And so this week we're going to look at the description. He says in, in verse 5, so also, even so. So all those things he gave us illustrations about bits in horse's mouth, directing them, the tongue like a rudder of a ship, directing the ship. What's he saying? Your tongue is directing your body. What you say, what comes out of your mouth, is really who you are and what you're about. That's what he's saying. We can stand up and, and, and say anything we want to say, but the reality is, if we sit back and play a tape recorder all week long, is that what we hear? 
Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is Lord of all. If we had a hidden mic on you and it came on on Thursday morning at 5 a.m. when, when uh, you got rousted out of bed early, Jesus Christ, Lord of all then, we'll know if we can hear what comes out of the tongue. What did Jesus say? What comes off of the tongue? What comes out of our mouth? Where does it spring forth from? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's convicting for me. It's convicting that it's not a, 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 a thing of condemnation. It's convicting to say, man, I, I need to get this under control. I need to submit this to Christ. Because I said He's all of me. And all of me includes that. Even so, He says, the tongue is a small member, but boasts great things. First thing He tells us, the size. The tongue ain't all that big. There's lots of bigger things on your body than the tongue. But what he says is, even though it's a small member, it has a lot to do. It has a lot to do. It is a small member. That word member is actually the Greek word... Oh, you're beautiful. The Greek word from which we get the word melody. Melody. The idea is that what the tongue should be doing within the body... We're going to see it in a little while when we look at the uh, Ephesians and Colossians, which will be a little while. Hang in there. We'll get there. But what we're going to see is that the tongue should work in melody or in harmony with the rest of the body. So that we have a complete picture, right? What we profess is what we possess. Is everybody tracking with me? So that's, that's where we ought to see it. It's what we ought to be able to see. We ought to see this melody. And it's speaking. Our tongue is always saying something. Our tongue is always saying something. Here's what it's supposed to be saying. In Psalm... 34 verse 2 says, My soul makes its boast in the Lord. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. This is a tongue in submission to Christ. Let the, let the humble hear and be glad. Psalm 44 8. In God we have boasted continuously and we will give thanks to your name forever. Again, we just sang a song. Right? We love to sing that song. We love to, to proclaim and to shout out loud that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Is that still the song on our lips on Tuesday, Wednesday? Is it still the song on our lips that Jesus Christ is Lord of all? In 1 Corinthians one thirty one, it says, So that it is written, Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Is that what we're about? Is that what our tongue is about? 2 Corinthians 10, 17. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So though our tongue is small, first characteristic of the tongue, our tongue is small, but it boasts great things. Now, it can be utilized to boast about the Lord, right? To proclaim His praise. And it can be used to do any number of other things. The Word of God is calling us now to recognize that. It's small, but it does great things. Look what it says next. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Now, we should understand that around here, especially this time of year. It don't take but a spark. And what do we got going on next? Power's out. We're all complaining because the air conditioner's not working. Meanwhile, somebody's yard is burning and all the posts and... The, the power poles are on fire and we got crazy things going on. It just took a little spark. In the same way, the Bible describes our tongue like a fire. 
You ever said something and then sat back and watched the kind of damage it did? Have you ever said something and sat back and watched the kind of, of good it did? You ever seen the, the, the light turn on in somebody's eye when you just find the right thing to say at the right time? You ever watch that spark ignite them? Because we, we can look at all the negativity of the tongue, but we need to recognize that's just because our tongue has fallen, like our reasoning. But the tongue can also be submitted to Christ, right? And then it has the right word in the right season. You ever seen a child when they, when they are praised? Now, I'm not saying children don't need discipline. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying, have you seen it? Have you watched a light come on when they know that you're their greatest fan? Have you watched the, the spark that can be set ablaze? What's the Word of God say? The tongue does that. The tongue that is in submission to Christ. It's similarity to fire. Look what else he says. And the tongue is a fire, but it's a world of unrighteousness. Why? Why is the tongue a world of unrighteousness? Same, re- same reason that your reasoning is. Same reason your understanding is. Because we're fallen individuals. We are stained with sin. And sin, it, gets in, it infiltrates every part of us. Every part. Look, I'll tell you a simple way to look at it. There's nothing inherently evil about music. I don't care what anybody has ever told you. There's nothing inherently evil. I, I had a teacher one time try to tell me minor chords were from the devil. I'm like, you're, you're, you're crazy. There's nothing inherently evil about... But what happens is, there are people gifted with music who are fallen in nature. Yes? And sometimes the, the method or the thing they use music for can be evil. Are you tracking with me? It can be good, it can be evil. It's all about who's the master. Who's the ma- if I'm the master of the tongue, my tongue's going to be evil. If I'm the master of the music, music's going to be evil. It doesn't matter how pretty it sounds, how smooth it is. I, I hear all kind of people get down on death metal and high on Vangelis. You guys heard of those two? You should look at the, at the album art for Vangelis. Because if I remember, I was a devil playing piano. What what was that sign about? It's not only the guys banging their heads. Right? Who's the master of the music? Who's the master of the tongue? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Who's the master of your life? Because that's what James is getting to. Who's the master? Because you say you have faith. And you got the easy part over with. But when you stand before God, it's not going to be what you say you have. It's going to be what you really have. And what you really have is going to come forth out of your life. If there's faith, there's fruit. If the root's alive, fruit will happen. So we want to recognize the tongue is fallen. It's a world of unrighteousness. It says the tongue is set among our members. What's the next phrase? Staining the whole body. Staining the whole body. You can do a lot of good things. But the Bible is clear. If we have not harnessed our tongue, if we have not harnessed that, we need to recognize the sinfulness of a fallen tongue affects all of it. What we do. Where we go. 
The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, if we, we don't want to be practicing sin any longer, how can we who have died to sin live any longer in it? So what does it say? Take your members and bring them into submission to Christ. What James would say is, when you do that, start with your tongue. Bring your tongue into submission to Christ. Now, I... Last of all, do not want you guys thinking that Kathy is perfect. (laughs) But I'll tell you the truth. She is really good at this. She is really good at saying things that will build up. She is really good about having an encouraging word. So, I'm the polar opposite of that. I, I'm, that's, it's just not easy for me. I, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just telling you the truth, right? And that's something that needs, in my life, needs to be brought into submission in Christ. It has to. Because Jesus Christ is to be Lord of all. I've watched my wife with my son Joseph who has autism. If you've had a chance to meet him you probably remember the meeting. Joe, Joe, is, Joe is Joe. But I have watched because for years and years and years we tried to discipline his behavior out of him. And some of you might think, I can't believe that's true. Look at him. He still does this stuff. Yeah, he's autistic, man. He's, he's going to do the stuff he does. But I have watched my wife reach into him and touch him someplace that I couldn't do with positive word, with an encouraging word, with a word that says, that was good. We can all focus on all the bad stuff, right? That's bad, that's bad, that's bad. And I have watched my own sons wither under me telling them, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. And at the end of the day, all they can think of is everything's bad. And I've watched them come alive to the reality that that was good. That's good. I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't know if, you're going to, if you can hear me, but I'll tell you the truth. That one positive word did more than all the words of correction that focus on a negative. I'm telling you the truth. If you think I'm crazy, try it. And watch that spark come alive. Here's what I have to know. My tongue is fallen and it stains my whole body. And just saying this is how I am shouldn't be the excuse. That's the cop out. Reality is I got work to do. I'm okay with that. We all got work to do. We all got work submitting everything that we can to the Lord. Submitting it to Him. So we see that it stains our whole life. It stains the whole body. But listen to this last phrase. Setting on fire the entire course of life. I don't know that we think this way. That the things we say direct our life. Guide our life. The things that we say is, are, the, are the things that are, are posting correction and, and changes. And, and we make excuses for it. And what God is saying through James is we got to stop because the tongue is messing us up. It's messing us up. And we keep making excuses for it. We say, oh, I just got to vent. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you don't got to vent. 
No, really, if I don't, I'll pop. Uh-uh. Look, I'm in submission to the Word of God. The Word of God says a fool vents. Now, I know what the fool is in the Bible, and I'm pretty sure that's not the category I want to stand in. So what category do I want to stand in? I want to stand in the one that's submitted to God. So what do I do when I have all this frustration? What do I do when I got all this stuff boiling inside of me? Usually I vent. I just pop a cork and say all this garbage out into the universe. What's God tell you to do? He says, cast your cares upon me, for I care for you. Cast your cares on me. You know, here's the truth. If the church prayed more than it did anything else, the church would be in great shape. If the church prayed more than it did anything else, our nation would be in great shape. If the church was focused on the concept of talking to God, laying out our cares to God, laying out our fears to God, laying out all those things that, that, are, that scramble our lives, if we would lay all that out for God and talk less and pray more, That's what living a life submitted to God looks like. Well, Jackie, I, I spewed it all. I, I told it all to God and nothing changed. Well, what's that tell you? I'll make it easy for you. Maybe you're the problem. Maybe the problem's not the person you're telling God about. Maybe, maybe the problem is... You got a little bit of ugliness in your heart and God wants to dig it out. On Wednesday, we were talking about this in the, in the book of Proverbs. How does the Bible describe us? The Bible says, I am clay. Who's the potter? God's the potter, right? The Lord is the potter and I am the clay. So what does the potter do to the clay? Have you ever watched? Puts it on a wheel and spins around in a circle. Anybody ever felt like their life is spinning around out of control? Welcome. To the potter's wheel. What else he do? Oh, he gets into his elbow inside of you, digging stuff out, pushing walls wider, pushing walls narrower, narrower, making whatever he wants to make, digging out the garbage. But while he's doing it, he's got it all over him, don't he? You ever seen a potter? He looks like clay. He's got clay all over him. That's what God is doing in our lives. We lay out our, our anger and our frustration to God. He just smiles, puts his cheek up against that pot as it's spinning. And he says, I'm going to make you like me. That's good news. But Jackie, he, he, he didn't like that dude on fire who said this stuff or did these things. He's the potter, you're the clay. Just shut up and spin. (laughs) Let him do his thing. Let him do his thing. When he's finished, you'll be pleased. Let him do it. Remember that this battle with our tongue sets the entire course of our life And what is it that lights it on fire? Look at that next phrase. Set on fire by hell. That's not good, is it? That we have something in our lives that's set on fire by hell? Jesus said this in John chapter 8, verse 44. He said, You are of your father the devil. 
Your will is to do your father's desires. What's, what's, my, what's, what's the devil's desire then? So I can tell. Am I following devil's desires or God's desires? Well, what did he say? He lays it out for us. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning. You murdering? Do you know some of the things we say about other people has actually been better off if you just took a gun and shot them? Do you know what Jesus said? If you hate your brother... You're a murderer already. All you lack is opportunity. That's what Jesus said. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth. He's not standing on the word of God. He's not allowing the word of God to be his ultimate foundation. Because there's no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks out of his own character. What's the other thing he is? A liar. He's a liar. For he is the liar and the father of lies. Man, we don't, we don't want to follow that example, right? We don't want those kind of desires. We want desires that are in submission to God. We don't want to be conformed into the, to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind into the image of Christ. Don't we want to be like him? Well, this is how he is. And one of the ways we get there is by submitting our tongue to the authority of God. Look at the control that the Bible talks about. Verse 7. It says, For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. So we can tame everything. We can do all kind of weird tricks with it. You say, Oh, I don't know if we can tame everything. I've seen them doing crazy things with sharks. You ever seen that? They know what to put in the water, when to put it in the water, so you can swim in there while they're feeding. No, I'm not talking about in a cage. I'm talking about loose. How many want to sign up? There's a couple. Always is a couple. Always is a couple. I've seen it. I've seen it. They were, they were showing that they did this for a movie. And they, the sharks that they brought around these people, they did uh, by, by whatever, whatever weird science. You guys know weird science. Whatever weird science they did, what they put in the water. It was relatively safe. Yeah, some of us focus on the word safe, some focus on the word relatively. We'll know which one we are if whether or not we get in the water with the sharks, right? Every beast can be tamed, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's not something, what God is asking us to do is not something we can produce on our own. It's not something that comes naturally. Why not? Why, why can't we? Because of its character. What is its character? It is a restless evil. The tongue is a restless evil. If you, if you leave it alone, it'll do something wrong. You guys ever had some, something like that in your life? Maybe an animal, pet, dog. If I leave it alone, it's going to do something wrong. No? A child? We've all have some kind of illustration in our life where, with this idea, this concept. What the Bible's talking about is a restless evil, constantly looking for what it can do wrong. And literally, it means it cannot be restrained, can't be held back. It's just going to keep going as a restless evil. But what else is it? It's full of deadly poison. It's harmful. It causes pain and hurt. Messes with people's lives, messes with people's minds. This tongue that needs to be controlled. Next, the scripture goes into the contrast. How do we use the tongue? Look at it. With it, we bless 
our Lord and Father. What does that mean? With it we bless our Lord and Father. It means we speak well of Him. We say good things about the Lord. We praise Him. We lift our hands in praise and worship. Maybe, maybe a song touches our heart and we really feel drawn into the presence of God. All of this is, is blessing the Lord and, and Father. And with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God, in the image of God. To curse, that, that means we, we look down upon those who are made in the likeness of of God. Literally, it means to be placed beneath. It's a curse. To place beneath. So we put them down. We place them beneath. In fact, Proverbs 18.21 says this. It says, life and death in the, are in the power of the tongue. Life and death. Now the question for us today is, which one do you want your tongue to be? Life or death? We want to, we want to, if we're, if we are submitted to Christ, following Him, then life is what's going to be on the tongue. He's a God of life. Not death, not darkness, no shadow of turning. He is a God of life. He says, those who eat it, or those who love it, will eat its fruits. Will eat its fruits. And we will. Life or death. Coming from our tongue. Out of. This is what He says, from the same mouth, Come blessing and cursing, my brother, and these things ought not be so. That's a command. If you're looking for a command, that's a command. Like, thou shalt not. Yeah, any ones you want to put in there. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt have no image before me. All the thou shalt, those are imperatives. This is an imperative. It ought not be so. What ought not be so? You should not bless God and curse your brother. Those two things should not flow from the same mouth. Why not? There's no usefulness in it. There's no usefulness in it. Look at the illustrations that he gives. Because all of these illustrations bring about the same point. Look at it. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree... My brothers, bear olives. Can a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. What's the point? In the case of the spring, its true nature shines forth. In the case of the fig tree, its true nature shines forth. In the case of the vine, its true nature shines forth. In the case of the pond, its true nature shines forth. What's the point he's trying to tell us? That what we are in reality shines out. It comes out. This is the point he's been making since chapter 2, guys. That faith without works is dead. If you say you're an apple tree, you have apples. If you have lemons, you're not an apple tree. That's the concept. It's, it's not... Overly complicated. So what he's saying is we can, we can know this, guys. We can understand. Look at the illustration. The mouth is controlled by the source from which it speaks. What did Jesus say? What is the source from which your mouth speaks? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So who is ruling your heart? If it's Jesus, then he's going to rule if it's not, now here's the reality. 
Here's the reality for a lot of us. A lot of us find ourselves in a place where we profess Jesus Christ, but we're suddenly realizing that I haven't really made Him Lord of anything. I've come to Him to save my soul. I've come to Him for the application of the blood to save me of my sins so that I could spend an eternity in heaven. But I have not come to Him to be Lord. I have not said, man, I want you Lord of my life. You remember what it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10? If you confess with your mouth, which part of Jesus? The Lord Jesus. And believe in your heart, God raised Him from the dead. You will be saved. Why is He telling us this? To to run us down? To make us feel bad? To make us depressed? No! Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He said, if you will judge yourself, you won't be judged. If you'll look at yourself and and you recognize, wow, I didn't see that before. It's not something that's impossible to correct. The Bible says that the Lord God commands all men to repent and believe. You know what repent means? Sometimes we have to change our direction. Sometimes we have to change our way of thinking. Sometimes we have to stop moving to the right and go a little to the left. Sometimes we have to look into God's Word and see that God's Word is saying, Wow, I didn't see that before, God. I really need to submit myself to what Your Word is declaring. That's constant. That's constant. There's always something that God is calling to some deeper place. God is calling us to. He wants us to recognize that the mouth is controlled by the source from which it it speaks. And listen, God is more interested in the effects or the results of what we say than simply the fact that we're talking. God's more interested in, in the effects of what we say. In other words, when we back up, What's the fruit of my lips? When I, look at my, when I look at my week, when I back up and I look at all that stuff, I see stuff I don't want to see. I see things and I go, man, that's, that's horrible. It shouldn't be that way. So here's what I do. Here's what James says not to do. James says, don't come up to the mirror of God's Word. Be confronted with an issue in your life that needs corrected. Turn away from the mirror and forget. Don't come up to the mirror of God's Word and hear, man, I need to submit my tongue to the Lord. I need to say, I need to submit this part of my life. I haven't made you Lord over my tongue. There's, there's been constant areas in my life where God has brought to my attention, hey, 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 I didn't have this spot. And when I recognize it, what do I do? I repent. And I give it to Him. You're right, Lord, that's yours. That's yours. Always should have been. God's concerned with that. He's concerned with what flows out of us. Are we salty or fresh? Now look, salty isn't godly or fresh isn't godly. What he wants to know is, are you the kind of spring you think you are? Is that what's coming out? If you're a fig tree, are you really a fig tree or are you a lemon tree? Know yourself. Know who you are. What you believe is your tongue in submission to God. Because 
our new nature will produce after its kind. Right? Read the book of Genesis. And the cattle had more cattle, right? The cattle never had a cat. It was always reproduction, what? After its kind. A lemon tree does not ever become a pear tree. It's always a lemon tree. And if there's another lemon tree that comes after, it comes after because it's coming after its kind. If I am submitted to Christ, that should be the fruit that's flowing through my life. That's what James is telling us. If I'm submitted to Christ, this is the fruit. I should bear fruit after my kind. In other words, I shouldn't look like the world. I shouldn't be conformed to the image of this world. I should be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Saying, oh my gosh, Lord, I didn't see that before. I'm bringing my mind in submission to your word. And then what does he do? He changes me from glory to glory. For if he has begun a good work, he will. Does he ever leave anybody half finished? Quarter finished? Third finished? So if he started a work, what do I need to do? I need to submit myself into his hands so that he can finish the work. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4 real quick. A couple of verses. I always do this if you've had uh, premarital or postmarital with me. We've talked about this before. In Ephesians chapter 4, here's what it says. We're going to go quick. But I just want you to hear, this is Paul. Just so you know, Paul and James don't disagree. Here's what Paul says. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Number one problem is lying. That's what God says. God says the answer is speak the truth. Number one problem with our tongue is lying. God's solution, speak the truth. Ephesians 4.25 Put away falsehood. We look back at Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. He says this. How, how do we speak the truth? That's how he's defining it. He says, rather, speak the truth in love. For we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head unto Christ. So we're supposed to become like Jesus. How, how do we do it? By speaking the truth. Use our tongue. But speaking the truth without love is brutality. We want to speak the truth with love. The truth in love. From whom the whole body... Joined and held together by what every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it, so that it builds itself up in love. So how is the body edified? By learning to speak the truth in love. How is your body edified? How do you grow and become more like Jesus? By learning to speak the truth in love. By submitting your tongue to the work of the Father. Number one problem is lying, God's answer is speak the truth. He defines speaking the truth by telling us to speak the truth in love. Why? Because it builds up. Look at verse 29, Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths. Wait a minute, back that up. What did he say? Let no corrupt talk. Does that say some? A little? Just a little bit. It was really funny. No, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. Only that which will spark in someone's life the ability to want to, desire to want to go on. As fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Literally, we are to be grace others. Why? Because if you don't do it, look at the next verse, verse 30. 
And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You mean when we run each other down, we are negative toward one another, when we gossip about one another, we are grieving God? Yes. Does this mean we never confront? That's not what he said. He said, speak the truth. If it's the truth, you speak it. But how do you do it? Speak the truth how? In love. Speak the truth in love. You know, I've been using the Proverbs with my son, Joseph, and every once in a while he gets carried away and he'll start yelling. And so I'll say to him, a soft answer turns away wrath. You know, the Word of God says that. So I tell Joe, Joe, soft answer turns away wrath. And I watch him stop, give a soft answer, because he's trying to use what the Word of God says. The other day I was, I was uh, be- becoming uncorked with Joe. I don't know another way to say that. You guys can relate to that or no? So I'm losing my patience, um, and I'm, I'm starting to yell, starting to get carried away. And you know the beauty of what I heard my son say? <laughs> he looked right at in all seriousness, he looked right at me and did what? He spoke the truth. How? He said, Dad, a soft answer turns away wrath. <laughs> and it worked. All of a sudden I go, wow. Out of the mouth of babes he has perfected praise. Can any man be your teacher, even an autistic 20-year-old? Or have you grown so far beyond that you can't hear? Yeah, immediately, soft answer. Dad's not mad no more. Dad's a little embarrassed. But dad's not mad. And I got to watch the Word of God working in my son's life. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Only build up words. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 31 and 32, Ephesians 4. Let all bitterness. How much bitterness? Oh, you don't get to keep some? You don't get to stoke a little fire beside you at night to keep you warm? Because you know, sometimes bitterness just keeps us warm. No, he says, let all bitterness be put away. With wrath, anger, clamor, slander. Wrath, anger, clamor, slander. All them bad things you want to say about people. All the bad things you think about others. All the stuff you wish would happen to somebody else. All that stuff supposed to get put away. Why? Because your life is in submission to Christ. And that's not Him. That's following somebody else. Remember the other father we said we didn't want to be like? I don't want to be like him. I want to follow Christ. I'm going to follow Christ and I'm going to have to get this area of my life in submission to Him. He's Lord of it all. He gets this part too. He gets this part. Let it all be put away. Positively. What should we do? Verse 32. Be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. Just as God in Christ forgave you. So be kind, not rude. Be tender hearted, not hard hearted. Forgive. Which literally means give them grace. Give them grace because Jesus Christ gave it to you. That's what it's saying. Give them grace. Unmerited favor. They don't deserve it. You're right. Then then they qualify. Perfect. Be grace them. Be grace them. 
forgive them. James 3.9 said this, just to remind you. With it we bless the Lord and Father. With it we curse people. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not be so. Here's what Paul says in closing out of Colossians 3. I'm just going to read it. Verse 8 to 17. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator, becoming like Jesus. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. So put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Won't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we just uh, come before You, Lord, and I thank You for the truth of Your Word that each and every one of us as believers should place ourselves in submission to Your Word. That God, Your Word is calling us to put aside these things, to put aside the, the excuses that we make for our tongue, the things we allow it to do. And to say that we're bringing that into submission in Christ. We're going to allow the Word of God to dwell richly in us. We're going to allow the Word of God to convict us and drive us toward becoming more like Jesus. We're going to recognize what James' warning is in the book of James. And we're going to say, I say I have faith, but this faith should be affecting all the areas of my life. And if I've run into an area that's not being affected, then I need to repent confess, ask Jesus Christ to be Lord of that area, and continue the journey following Jesus. That we would recognize that James is calling us to look into the mirror of the Word of God and be confronted and convicted by what we see therein, but then to to dip our hands into the water, the water of Your Word, and to allow the Word of God to cleanse us. Oh, I've got a little dirt on my face. The Word of God has shown me. So I'm going to wash myself with the water of the Word. I'm going to confess those areas of my life that are out of, of joint. I'm going to repent, turn from it, not excuse it. And I'm going to ask Jesus to be Lord of that area of my life until He has it all. Every corner, every step, every spot, every place 
that it's all in submission to Christ. And this is what the life of a disciple of Jesus is all about. Not that the disciples on the day in which they were called were perfected. They weren't. It took a lifetime. But in their lifetime, their eyes were focused on you, Lord Jesus, to allow you to change them from the inside out. May you be sitting on the throne of our heart so that we can see you through our, our words, through the things we say. God, I pray that you would grant your church victory in this so that we can know that God, you didn't save us so that we could stay like we were. You saved us so that you could make us more like you. Once upon a time, I was something else. But now, but now, I submit it all. My tongue is your tongue. If I use it wrongly, Lord, I pray that you would convict me, lead me to an attitude of repentance, and put me back on the road that I need to be on, because it's your tongue, not mine. It's your hands, not mine. If my hands lead me down a road that I shouldn't go, convict me of my sin so that I would recognize I took my hands back. Lord, these are your hands. These are your feet, God, not my feet. If my feet lead me to a place I ought not to be, lead me to a place of conviction that I would confess, repent, and give my feet back to you so that all of me belongs to all of you. God, I pray you be glorified as we turn our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen.